0: Today is Friday, October 6th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The DOD is forced to pay millions over unconstitutional vaccine mandates. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. If you want to email us, we'd love to hear from you. Quickstartpodcast at cbn.org joining me to get through the news with cray on this friday edition of the podcast tragon's phillips billy hallowell
1: gentlemen how goes it on this friday well i'm i'm ready for the weekend i am the weekend well it's in sight now or well, yeah. it's friday yeah, I, yeah. The days kind of run together some days. That I think it's the working at home. Like it is. Work working at
0: home is a problem with that. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Like, to,
1: what day is it? It's, you
0: really lose track of the days. I don't know if uh, you all out there feel the same, but it's definitely true. It's a real thing in my world anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I don't laugh at my parents anymore who have the retired people's clock. It just says, like, it doesn't have the time. It just says, like, Monday, Wednesday. <laughs> and that's all they have on the clock. That's funny. So I think I need one of those. But anyway... A lot to get to on the podcast today we have a great testimony from uh, for the main thing today is from pastor matthew marr and man what a story rising soccer star star he made the pros then gets injured and things took a really dark turn ends up in prison now he's a pastor so you're going to hear that journey on the main thing today it's incredible uh, so we're looking forward to that what do we have on the focus
2: Well, we're going to be talking about coffee, which is one of my favorite topics if you listen to this show. (laughs) And uh, not only coffee, but John Piper's opinions on
0: coffee. On coffee and churches. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing why I like John Piper, so we'll, we'll see what he has to say. So looking forward to all that and more on the podcast today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the vaccine mandates have cost the DoD millions now. The Department of Defense, they settled for $1.8 million with Liberty Council over these unful, unlawful vaccine mandates. The settlement followed two years of litigation by Liberty Council against the Biden administration's mandate for U.S. military service members. Liberty Council founder and chairman Matt Staver announced the end of the mili- military COVID shot mandate emphasizing that service members can no longer be forced to take the vaccine. Thousands of service members were denied religious accommodation requests or RARs from the mandate. Some of them were facing punishment, demotion, or discharge. Only 43 out of the more than 8,000 discharged service members ended up coming back to rejoin the military after the vaccine mandate. That's incredible. And the U.S. Army is now struggling To meet their recruiting goals, they fell 15,000 short of their latest 60,000 enlistment goal. And Oklahoma's farmland is changing hands rapidly and not for the traditional crops of wheat, corn, and cotton. Since the legalization of medical marijuana in the state eight years ago, their farmlands become a hot commodity for those looking to grow cannabis. And a significant number of those buyers are foreign, including from China. You can read... More of from Tara Mergener's report on CBN. Fascinating report there. Troubling, really, on what China and other foreigners are doing to buy up our land here and what they're trying to do with it. So you can read all those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. And the vaccine mandates, guys, I mean, we've talked about this, but here's the latest. It just seems like the Constitution's holding steady, and it seemed kind of insane when it was happening but out of fear, people went along with it, and here's the latest lawsuit to hit home.
2: Yeah, it does make you realize that even when, in our system, even when things go overboard where they shouldn't go, that there's a corrective measure, right? And that we, we've actually watched that. Cor- of course, you wouldn't want them to go overboard, but they did in this case. And yet, here we are, and these remedies are now coming down the pipeline. So that should give people, I think, a little bit of faith in the system, at least.
1: Yeah, no it is encouraging. It's it's frustrating I think because our system was intentionally designed to be slow. It's when that those those moments, like the minutia of going through things, uh, obviously can be very frustrating, whether it's something like this in the ju- judicial system, or it's something in more of the political realm. Like all of that I know, and politicians are always like, oh, I wish I could just do this with a stroke of a pen, but uh, it's designed that way so that they can't do that. And I am grateful when when these things go through the mechanics of the system that we have in place. I'm grateful that nine times out of 10, the right thing is usually done and the constitution and our rights are, are typically upheld. That's, that's an encouragement because I think we're kind of the exception really around the, the world, even in the Western world.
0: Yeah, 100%. And it is, while it is encouraging that the system holds, it's also frustrating, as we've mentioned, that, you, that we have to continually be dragged back into courts just to stand up for our rights. And it's interesting, the recruitment goals, are they're not being met. And is it any surprise because at the same time you have things like this, like a vaccine mandate going on that forces people to choose whether to put something in their body they don't know a lot about or lose their position, Um, that puts them in a tough spot. But then you also have the backdrop now where popular culture is just bashing America nonstop, and it's become cool to hate America. And so are are we surprised now that there's less people who want to risk their life to defend it?
2: Even not just military, but police, right? We keep hearing oh, yeah. about departments that don't have enough police officers, right? Go back to 2014, some of the things that have gone on in the last couple of years in, the, in this country and the way we've talked about police, not that there aren't bad apples, we need to deal with that. But I think these statements about authority and against authority and against the country, to your point, Dan, have a major, major implication on whether or not people want to put their life on the line in general um, at all
1: yeah yeah. well I think the the funny thing the irony here about like our institutions is I remember during Trump's presidency the left is all about uh, Trump is dismantling our institutions nobody is is trusting the system anymore uh, mm-hmm. the a lot of politicians on the left are saying that out of one side of their mouth and then the other side is all of our institutions are so deeply racist and they're they're deeply corrupt uh, against minorities so it's like I well, I, I don't know. I'm getting whiplash. I don't know <laughs> if we're just to trust our institutions or not trust our right. institutions, but I think these kinds of stories are just a reminder of why elections matter uh, and that cheesy saying elections have consequences. They absolutely do. And uh, that's, you know, we need to, to be putting people in place who are going to be wise with their, the judicial nominations that they make, because these are the people who ultimately are going to be either upholding or doing away with our rights
0: yeah absolutely and we're certainly going to keep tabs on all of these results as they come in because i get a feeling you're going to see a lot of people try and gaslight what actually happened during the height panic and fear of the covid era when you had a lot of people uh, acting rashly and discarding and being willing to discard our constitutional rights at the drop of a hat so uh, good to see that outcome there All right, we're going to head to the focus story now. John Piper recently ignited some discourse on a relatively unexpected topic, as you mentioned at the top, Billy Coffee. So, what's going on here? What happened?
2: I mean, look, there's no shortage of things to fight about, right? Like right. there's theological gridlock on everything in the yeah. church today. Um, and they're very, very weighty issues. And then we have coffee, which I'm drinking coffee as we speak right now, my 40th cup of the day. Um, but, but John Piper posted a message on September 30th on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, and he was seemingly casting doubt on whether it's appropriate to caffeinate, to drink caffeine coffee in the sanctuary at church. And it it sparked a back and forth, but let's just look at what he said. He said, can we reassess whether Sunday coffee sipping in the sanctuary fits with a question mark? And then he went on to cite Hebrews 12, 28, which reads, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And that's all he wrote, but that was enough to spark thousands of reactions, likes, I'm sure some dislikes, yeah. Shares comments galore from people who have very very strong opinions on both on their, sides of this debate.
0: Yeah, and people love their coffee. And I got to say, this is the first time, just a couple of weeks ago, somebody mentioned this, and it, I was like, I can't believe I haven't seen a church do this yet. And I'm sure they have. I just hadn't seen it. But they named their little coffee cafe in the church Hebrews. And it it just hit me, and I was like this. So anyway, just to hear that he's got the verse from Hebrews, I just found, is he, is he doing this to troll or what? I don't know. But how are people responding to this? Well, as
2: I mentioned, there were thousands of responses. There were people on one side. And before actually, before we even get to the opinions, this is interesting. I didn't know this, actually, because I, I'm not a Catholic. Um, but Catholics, and even some Protestant denominations, before you take the Eucharist, you're actually supposed to fast for an hour. So you're not, you technically in the Catholic church, you would not be drinking coffee during mass because you can't. Because they do it every Um, week. Right. I mean, it it used to be even longer um, than that. You used to have to do it from like the night before. Um, So so anyway, the reactions are all over the map on here. There was one woman who wrote, you bring coffee into church? (laughs) I have so many (laughs) questions. She was just like horrified by the fact that people bring coffee. And others you know, really uh, agreed with that. On the side, you know, we'll start with the side opposed. Um, really, a lot of people were saying it was a distraction, right, that you're there to worship. Um, one guy, who said, one of the many things I appreciate about Eastern Orthodoxy and the safeguards she brings to the church, um, liturgy is all about God and our worship of him. Coffee can be enjoyed any other time of the week. And then he went on to say that Sunday mornings are a sacred time when people should be there to worship the Trinity. So that, that was really the general sense of, the hey, you're crazy! Don't drink coffee, crowd.
0: That is interesting. Sorry, so you had some responses on this. What do you what are, what are you seeing as like? Let's go through the best arguments for and against on this.
2: Yeah, so I would say the best arguments against would would center on the distraction part, yeah. right? Because you're there and, you know, some people lift their arms when they, that's a whole other debate. Some people lift their arms when they, they sing, they, you, they think you should be doing that when you worship. If you're holding the coffee, it's a little hard to do that. Um, right. Others would just say, hey, you know, this is a distraction. It's not, it's something that shouldn't be there. You should give your whole self to the Lord during that time. And having coffee there um, doesn't allow you to do that, right? So I think that is one of the strongest arguments. On the other side, there were a lot of people who said, look, it's hard enough to survive life, getting three kids, four kids to church. If you need coffee to get through church, what's the big deal? It might help you focus, who cares? I don't think that's the strongest argument, but it is an interesting argument., uh, but I thought I honestly thought the stronger one argument was look, coffee, tea. these are community things. Church is about community, and a lot of churches have coffee shops. It's just about a rallying point um and and in a weird way, it helps build that community up. And so I thought that was an interesting you know, sort of counter argument to those who were saying that it shouldn't be happening.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, you make the same argument or a similar argument with phones, right? I mean, it's it's obviously looked fr- frowned upon to be f- scrolling through your phone during the sermon, right? Because you're clearly not paying attention to the sermon. I think yet most people would agree with that one, but still you see a lot of people do it from time to time at church. Um, I I would think that this distraction argument is a valid argument, but I would also think It's up to the person to then take stock of their own heart. And is this a distraction? Am I thinking, I can't listen to anything today unless I've got my coffee. I got to go get it. I got to, if it's really kind of taken up too much of a space there, maybe it's an issue. But so it seems to me my first instinct on this without having really analyzed it any deeper than just what you, you kind of presented today, Billy would be, it kind of should be up to the individual there.
1: I mean, yeah. you know, I'm
2: addicted to coffee, so I'm just going to put it out there. I drink coffee
0: every church service, so there we go.
1: It's out I there. I I always have a cup of coffee at church. I think it's funny that so we have these signs above the entrances into our sanctuary that say no food or drink, and everybody's holding their coffee and looking at those signs, thinking, "Oh, what a nice sign that says not to bring this in anyway." <laughs> and then you keep walking in with your with your cup of coffee but it's like a it's a known thing that everybody's doing that i also love that beth moore wait, waited on this and said that she's drinking coffee then she even we posted the story on social media and she responded to me and said you need to know i have a lifelong commitment to coffee but uh, but i attend one now an anglican church now where you can drink all the coffee you can hold but in the foyer <laughs> so they can only drink it in the foyer and then you got to put it down to go into the sanctuary so yeah it's just i think a lot of it is personal decision. And also it's interesting to look at the denominational and cultural differences too. It's not something that I have ever thought about. Like you, Billy, I just walk in with my cup of coffee and have never even spent a millisecond thinking about it. John Piper is not happy with me. I can tell you, he <laughs> came to church with me because well,
2: I did make me pause a little. It did. It made me think, huh. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Am I not doing the right thing? Like, should I be giving myself more? But I will, I will say that argument of, It does help me focus, like holding on to something. I know this sounds ridiculous, but holding on to something, drinking it like it. I'm more fixated and focused. (laughs) Well, yeah, I do love a good fidget spinner, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, and to your point about getting the kids there, I mean, I have four kids and it's doesn't matter how early we say we're going to leave. We still end up walking in like five minutes late. It's so it's it's incredible how that works out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very. I mean, I'd say maybe 30 percent of the time we have a success rate getting better now as the kids get a little bit older but it's always you know inevitably two of them get in the car where are your shoes i don't know i don't know where my shoes are how do you not right. know where your shoes are dad what'd you do with my th- i don't do anything with your shoes your shoes i'm not the keeper of your thing no that's i'm what not the them. keeper of your thing. Yeah. yes exactly but then they kind of anyway uh trey well, you have a lot to look forward to trust us it's not as bad as we make it sound it's, <laughs> well, I was it's all joy. say
1: I, I never know where my wallet is so when <laughs> I, I know where my wallet is in my own home because i have a place for it but whenever right. i'm somewhere else i have to search for it but air tags and all that stuff are are a a lifesaver
0: yeah indeed all right well I mean certainly food for thought and I think uh, as Christians like it's never bad to at least stop and think about something even if you end up just laughing it off right like stop and think about it don't just have your screensaver on and be uh, discerning but I appreciate you bringing that that one to the podcast today Billy all right we are gonna go over to the main thing now and Pastor Matthew Marr he was heading for soccer stardom After a successful college career at Temple, Mar joined the professional ranks. His pro journey was off to a really good start, but then it all came crashing down in the blink of an eye. He had a severe injury, and then not long after that, just a few days, he drank too much, went driving, and ended up hitting someone and killing them. This led to a prison sentence, and he then had to think about that Uh, in prison for over four years, but he's got a very powerful testimony, uh, which he shared with Trey and myself. And it talks about the power of forgiveness and more. And that's today's main thing.
1: So could you just give us a a quick rundown of some of your testimony? Yeah. First and foremost, it's a very long story that I'll have to
3: make quite short. So I'm going to have to move through some milestones that require a lot of emotion, so I don't want any of our listeners or watchers to think that I am skipping through very important and heavy circumstances of life. I was raised in a strong Christian household, uh, one of four boys. My mother and father trained us up in the way we should go so that we, when we were older, we would not depart from that way. Unfortunately, as A young man with a gift to play soccer I began to believe my own hype full scholarship at Temple University in Philadelphia I was a first-round draft pick my senior year to eventually enter the professional leagues at the time that was 2007 and this is where I began to kind of depart from that foundation of faith long story short tore my ACL meniscus on March 1st 2009 that was my last professional soccer game that I would ever play Six days later, unfortunately and recklessly, I made the decision to go out and about in the city of Philadelphia on a Friday evening that melted into the early hours of March 7th, Saturday, March 7th, where I was recklessly responsible for an at-fault drunk driving fatality, just like that. Everything that I thought was my identity in life completely became stripped away. So my world exploded not to mention somebody else's world, a family who I did not know at the time, their world imploded. And that kind of began the, the reckoning, if you will, or God getting my undivided attention. I came crashing down or falling back on this faith foundation. The cliche goes like this, when you hit rock bottom, you discover Christ is the rock at the bottom. And that became my reality. Without family and friends who were believers, In a God of Redemption, I don't know where I would be. Fast forward 10 months where I would stand before a judge for the crime I committed in New Jersey. I was sentenced to first-degree aggravated manslaughter. I was looking at at up to 10 to 30 years in state prison. But it was on this day, guys, where I had the opportunity to address my victim's family. Come to find out along the way, he was a 55-year-old man from Cambodia. He was a father of six children. Some of those children were in the courtroom on this day, January 7th, and I got to share my heart. I did not care what the judge would say as far as time away in prison. I wasn't concerned about what prison would be like, and I, that's really hard for people to understand. My only concern was, what would I say to this family? How could I pursue forgiveness? How can I tell them how sorry I was for being responsible for their father's death? I had that opportunity. I shared my heart. I sat down, and What unfolded next is really unbelievable. Mr. Hortcap's children began to speak about who their daddy was. It was a beautiful memorial to him. And then his son stood up. His name was Noon. And Noon began to tell me about the pain that he was experiencing from the loss of his father. And I was, of course, the object that caused that pain and anger. And he began to tell me how I destroyed his world. And then. A composure came over this young man that only heaven could provide. And his very next statement to me was, but I forgive you, my brother. And he came over to me right there in the courtroom. And there's a video of this. And him and I embraced and hugged. And I tell you the truth, guys, all that weight, all that guilt that I carried into the courtroom, it completely evaporated. It completely melted away. And in that moment, before I would be physically incarcerated, I often tell people I was spiritually liberated. Now, that did not remove the consequences. It didn't remove the raw emotions. But before I even spent a single second as an inmate of the state of New Jersey, the Lord had given me something I did not deserve, and that was forgiveness. Now, let me drive home the point. The picture of the sentencing day for me, as it unfolded in my isolation called incarceration— The Lord was showing me a picture of the gospel, how everyone will stand before a judge one day. And we're all guilty as charged for breaking the laws of God. No one can get out of it. Not good works, not a resume that would precede them, not a a lawyer who can articulate the law of God eloquently. No, everyone is guilty as charged. That's what the word of God says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin equals death. That's terrible news. Unless unless you understand there's an advocate in that courtroom. A son, if you will, who decided to step up, step in, and give the offender what he did not deserve. And that is what that courtroom or sentencing day became for me, a perfect picture of Romans 5, 8, how God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we're in our sin, in our sin, jacked up, messed up, far from God, that is when Christ died for us. And that is when he set us free from the condemnation of sin. So needless to say, I spent 55 months as an inmate of the state, but those 55 months felt like 55 days. And it was in that place guys where the Lord began to show me his purpose for my life and how even suffering and pain had a purpose in his economy. And Mm -hmm. I'm 14 years plus outside of that incident of 2009 and, Recently, I had the honor to go to a church in Philadelphia and share the stage with one of Mr. Horcap's daughters, Somali. For the first time in 14 years, face-to-face yet again, from sentencing day of January 2010 to recently in 2023, we shared the stage. She shared her journey of forgiv- forgiveness, forgiving me, and I shared the power and freedom of being forgiven. And it was a beautiful start to a to a new chapter at least for the story of redemption
0: just an incredible testimony and that was just a glimpse of it there guys and trey and i talked to uh, the pastor for this week's coming upcoming episode of faith versus culture and you can check out our whole conversation there Uh, it's not going to be i I forget exactly the first time that this is going to go but it should run this weekend on our social media channels um, so you can check out CBN and faithwire.com to see all of that. But it's uh, a remarkable, remarkable story.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, it's incredible. I think it's 3 p.m. Eastern time. It'll run on on social media. But yeah, he had an incredible story and a super convicting testimony of really like a, a rags to riches spiritually story. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out.
0: Yeah, uh, good stuff there. Uh, great stuff for Friday for us to think about heading into the weekend. And we're going to have time here on the pot for one last thing today. So, uh, Billy, if you could uh, hit us uh, with the verse. Yeah, it's 1 John three eighteen.
2: Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's it's one of my favorite verses. Just, you know, love with action and do it in truth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just thinking about that. I mean, I got emotional hearing the pastor talk about that forgiveness scene, right? And that that's words, but that's also an action. Um, you have a lot of choices you can make in that moment, and he chose to forgive. And then you can just see the power that that has when we follow things like that and we follow God's way.
1: Yeah. And I think too, uh, similar with with Matthew's story, being open about our, our testimonies and being vulnerable because it's not about us. It's about the, the work of transformation mm-hmm. the Lord has done. So we have a responsibility to act out and, and spreading God's love to other people. And a lot of times that means us being vulnerable and uncomfortable. So uh, yeah, great testimony and great verse to remember going into the weekend. All right. Yeah, but don't drink coffee. Don't yeah. drink coffee <laughs> in the sanctuary.
0: <laughs> I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Lord willing that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. Not tomorrow. Monday. I'm not going to work on Saturday.